Sight and Insight podcast with me, Judy Curtis, and of course the lovely Lorwyn Nagel, known to her intimates as Connie, and the lovely David Curtis, known to his friends as David. Um, (laughs) Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. I'm still recovering from all the washing up, but it was a very pleasant time and we are thankful for all the things that we have around us, uh, friends, family, and lots of good art on the walls. Um, so I'm extremely uh, unready for this because I thought we were going to be talking about spontaneity in art and I've just been told as we're sitting down at the microphone that no, we're going to be talking about gestalt theory. So as I know nothing about that, I'm going to uh, hand over to uh, to Connie almost immediately so <laughs> that our resident psychologist can give us some idea about what gestalt means, whether I'm pronouncing it correctly and how it applies to the art world. So, take it away, Connie. (laughs) All right, Judy. So, gestalt is a German word for meaning form. It it is interpreted as form or shape. Mm -hmm. And it's an organizing... um, Gestalt has been... There's a whole uh, gestalt psychology that that came up in the 50s. And... um, it's it's coming from the idea that um, natural systems and their properties should be viewed as holes. W h o l e s. Okay. <laughs> and um, that that the mind also tends to um, even take disorganized things in in its you know in our view and organize them. Because it's sort of a way of taking a chaotic world and putting it into some sense of meaning okay. for for us humans. So that's how I would start it. <laughs> well, well, so it does apply a lot to painting. I agree. Yes, and it is a, a philosophy or a psychology. Well, there's a there's something called Gestalt psychology. Oh. And I wouldn't. I would not say that Gestalt is a philosophy, but it, but it is it has definitely taken on a. Um, uh, it has followers, and um, there was a guy. Um, I hope I'm saying this right. That it's um, uh, Fritz Perl is is the one that really got into, um, and it was in the '60s that he got into Gestalt. And meaning that that what what you wanted to do was um, it was sort of empathic too in the process. So so he would repeat back something that somebody said to them. Let's let's say he said you know you come to your therapist and say I'm so distressed about my family and and uh, Fritz Perls would say you're so distressed about your family. And uh, and uh, in the process of feeding this back to the person, the person receives uh, yet again another uh, element of meaning to what they just said. So um, because uh, his and question I, was an answer. Yeah. Well, and also it came back with the same amount of material. So in painting, hmm. let's say that we do the same thing that we we might. Um, we look at a scene before, you know, and then and then we interpret that scene on our canvas, and um, 
And then I think the whole process is is a matter of trying to, and and we may say that that that's where we want to complete that piece. So how do we complete that piece? How do we make the dismembered pieces of it, the disorganized pieces come together? Those may be color notes as we talk about it, or they may be um, the line and design or the lines that um, that how can we bring them together? So if I did like like for instance you you and I that David and I did a demo uh, together and I did all these squiggles on the piece and then I said, okay, now you try to make it something. And he had to come in and make it a piece, mm-hmm. a piece that is meaningful, that that carries that other people would say, oh, he, uh, he did it this salt marsh or whatever. So right, and 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 we had talked about it. To be fair right. to people listening, that we had talked about what what generally you I had in mind, but we had experimented with this once before. Whereas I think we were up on Cadillac Mountain, and you made yes. an abstract, just a linear design, and I fi- I saw where where you got it from, and I could see it from nature, so I was able to. And as you like to say, you want to keep the line throughout the whole process. That one line in design, you want it to right. sort of summarize the beginnings, but it has to be there in the end because that was the that was the uh, the, the motion and the painting. And it's almost the, the skeleton right. of the piece. Uh, yeah. But it was it was the it was part of the gestalt. Yeah, it was heading exactly. for the gestalt. So it's a good way of testing your gestalt theory. Is that to see if you have that continuous line from yeah. beginning to end? Yeah, and it also if you're keeping and maintaining the thing that you wanted to maintain. There's there are several principles uh, uh, involved in what we're calling the gestalt. Especially, I would I would um, uh, place these on what we're doing as painters. Mm. And one is the figure ground, which refers to the relationship between an object and its surroundings. Yeah. You know, so do you see the figure in front of you or do you see the background first? Right. You know, so there's one of the gestalt things. Like in that process, are you wanting to bring that background forward, which w- would actually be kind of counterintuitive? But you could probably get away with doing something like right. that if you could create a gestalt in that painting right. that that allows the viewer to stay with that background first before Yeah, the I mean, I, I could imagine a, a, a solo figure just walking in a field and there was a dramatic sky behind them or a big rainbow coming out of a black cloud and, the, uh, and they were just sort of at one, and you did see them, but your eye is drawn to, as you say, the background. Yeah. So I think it's the, it's the unity. It's putting together all these principles in painting, um, like you said. And it seems to, I mean, the whole idea that the definition was about form is really fascinating. Yeah. So it just Gestalt as, actually means form or right. shape. Yeah. You know. So I, I think that that says it all that when we when we're painting um, a scene, I think it is the form. 
Let's mm-hmm. remember, a lot of people think form is the object. Yeah. And form exactly. is also the space, as you pointed out, the space between the objects yeah. is, is form too. Or you the have background. To make it, right. Uh, you have to make it look like it's not important, but it's important because it has to be there. Yeah. yeah. So you have to figure out a way of keeping it subtle and out of the way for the sake of something else. Yeah. And um, so it's a good way of judging your own painting, I would take it. I think so. Now, another principle in the Gestalt idea is closure. And closure means keeping the viewer involved by complete... So the viewer must complete the image or form that they see in your painting. And that harkens to the lost and found idea. See, so if you've got... um, If you lose... Let's say that you have a tree in front of you. So I'm thinking about a painting that David just did, and he was showing me. Um, and and so this tree's in front of us. If it's too cut out and has no lost and found edges, then the viewer is already given all the information necessary to say that's a tree. But what happens is it doesn't keep my interest mm-hmm. as a viewer. So I lose interest and I leave the painting. Interesting, yeah. So, so what you want to do is keep the viewer involved by the viewer must complete the image or form. Right. And that's it, part of the gestalt. And, and just to be, everybody realize that one of the things we're doing is critiques. Um, yeah. um, not a, the, um, we're having critiques here at our house and Connie and I are running these critiques and... Uh, and by constantly critique, yeah, you can over-critique things, but on the same token, it sharpens your sense of um, the so-called right and wrong in a painting. I agree. And um, the beauty of painting is this, it's not a right and wrong in the sense, in the moral sense or the figurative sense, but much more or in, even in, in the, a the appearance of things, yeah. uh, the musicality of things in a, in a sense that that note just sounded like it was off, you know? And yeah. um, so we're sp- using the Gestalt theory a lot in as our overseer to critiquing a painting. It must find the Gestalt, it must find the unity or the oneness, and if it doesn't have it, we have to figure out what's holding it back from that. And you learn a ton by doing this. I mean, Connie critiques my paintings with this in mind, and it really helps. Yeah. And I critique her paintings, and Judy's learning a ton from the two of us um, <laughs> yelling at each other. <laughs> it's fascinating. <laughs> so am I right in thinking then, is this something to do with the the idea that um, when you talk about a painting should have um, variety within unity, and therefore they, you can have yes. details, but it's got to, they've all got to relate to the oneness. Right. So if you it, have a detail that doesn't get along with the whole, that should be taken out. Yeah. But, the Gestalt should be greater than the. Yeah. What, is, yeah. what does Aristotle say? The uh, the parts are equal to the sum of uh, total of its whole. Well, no, it's supposed to, to be greater. <laughs> it's the parts that, are greater no, than the sum the of its whole. No, that the whole is greater than the sum, sum of, of its, its parts. parts is what Thank it's you. supposed to be. See, that's <laughs> why we have Kanye. Yeah. In there. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, all right then, so can you have too much unity? If everything is so unified, does that mean there's 
uh, th there's no, you know, the, the balance interest. is so perfect that the, yeah, you lose the interest in right. it. Right. So that's the Gestalt would say, and I think Connie's pointing out with all these different steps uh, that you take into consideration. Yes, that has to be if if there's not a dominance. Uh, well, and in also, a subordinate in the painting, yeah. um, and uh, if the if the dominant doesn't work, I mean, hypothetically, it's a portrait of a figure, and she, it's uh, the title is happiness, and she looks like she's ready to break into tears. I don't think that's you know in in, in the sink. Uh, it doesn't go along with the harmony of what they're trying to do. So the subordinate, which might be a background of a of a of a sunset or something like that mm -hmm. might be overpowering, might be more dramatic than the smile on the figure, and that would be okay. Well, be and that's part the... of the gestalt, I think, when we're talking about. The other thing I was going to say is that because there are some uh, principles of gestalt, you know, so there's another one that's called continuance, and it means that the viewer has a tendency to follow along a path or a river, you know. I just finished a painting that has a river in it, and uh, this is a compositional element that allows the viewer to enter and leave your piece. You know, so we all, as painters, need to think about that all the time, don't you think? Yeah. yeah. And I thought it was interesting. Like Connie where... looked at me and said, David, does that lie down? <laughs> and I thought, that's interesting that she would under Connie would see it from the concept of, does the painting feel like, you know, it's a river going back into yeah. space? Does it look like it was a river lying down? You know, did it yeah. look like it was all in the same perspective, mm -hmm. you might say? Yeah. And it certainly did. You know, but I thought that was interesting uh, that the feeling is, is brought into the gestalt, the form. You said, yeah. did it lay, lie down? Did it have the perspective as if you were looking at something lying mm -hmm. down? You know, yeah. and, that, and that's the way I took that. And I... I I thought it was... Um, because if it wasn't lying down, right. then what would it would be disconcerting for me. Right. And, and the overall gestalt would be interrupted. Because the, by, the feeling because, was, was about that little river that carved itself yeah, out. Cause it, it was, years, it yeah, because it was carving itself yeah, out, exactly. and then there was a mountain in the background and all that. Um, I was also going to mention that um, one of the other, kind of the final thing that I... I that if your if your composition is off sometimes and and I'm thinking about a painting that you did David that that was at the granite pier so um it is that you can change things so so um you might suffer from what they call proximity flaws so something we so sometimes we lose the third dimension or the depth of a painting you know, we, we may have something like a salt marsh there, and we've got even the, you know, hog islands in the background, and we've got the, and then the, the clouds and everything. But, but somehow we lose that depth. So the way we can take that into three dimensions again is maybe by putting a tree right in the front. Hmm. It reminds me, one of the paintings that you did this summer was Granite Pier, and you put that pole right in the middle. You know, I mean, maybe not in the middle of the painting, but it was right in front. And what that did is immediately, it's a proximity thing. It was, the, the viewer realizes that pole's right in front of me. Mm -hmm. And so all the rest of that stuff just receded into the depths. Mm -hmm. 
don't you think? Yeah, and, and I, so that that's uh, a perfect example. I felt it needed a, a strong you know? vertical because there were so many horizontals in the piece, yeah. and I thought if I put a vertical there, I wasn't meaning that that should be the interest, but just the strength no, but in it my made horizontals. You go around but it. I think yeah. it also creates that proximity thing, which means that it was all part of the gestalt. Right. Mm-hmm. Of the piece, and it actually enhanced that painting, I think, because as a as the viewer, I'm recognizing where I stand in reality to the painting. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. See, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Then, all right, so you're talking about that. Yeah. You remember the piece of the Monet's, the Grand Canal? Yes, and it's and 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 it's got this. It's got this huge dark. Paul, right in, right in the, That's not in the centre, but it's, yeah. And you were wondering why, why would Monet put this dark pole right exactly. in that spot? Because obviously it was the right spot for it. And perhaps he was thinking the same thing, that he needed to be able to, Actually. because of the atmosphere in the painting, maybe he needed something to help the, you know, the buildings in the, in the, Distance and it, to recede even more. Exactly. And to create that three-dimensional yeah. space. Yeah. Actually, this Hibbard does the same thing by having those those oh, know, yeah. gondolas right in the front yeah. and the big poles in front, and yeah. then you see down, you get the depth yeah. in that piece. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. That's interesting. I knew these guys would be putting these big dark poles in for some reason. <laughs> they were well, just sticking them in there for no well, reason. Well, I, I think some people get thrown off when you use the word gestalt. But it was interesting this summer, um, mm-hmm. my nephew uh, is married to a wonderful German girl, so we decided to ask her, since it's mm-hmm. a, a German word, what is the definition? Well, she was there with her twin brother and a friend of the brothers, and they all just sort of, oh, that's a big, that's a big thought. You know, how do we describe, how do we put that into words mm-hmm. or to context? And Lena said it meant family. Yeah. And she sort of specifically said that would be the northern German understanding of dialect. Is the whole. The whole. No, the, the but when you yeah. think about it, it is the form right. or shape mm-hmm. of something. It's, it's a wonderful way yeah. That, yeah. because everybody would be have a different personality, mm-hmm. everybody would be yeah. different, but there would be something to hold them together. Is so family. I thought it was a really yeah. a nice way of describing. I love that. The uh, friend of um, of uh, theirs said it's uh, body and soul. Yes. And you can't have soul without body or mm-hmm. body without soul. It's body and soul together is gestalt. Yeah, and he had thought about it for because we surprised him with this. <laughs> it was just a picnic or a cookout. Drinking beer and eating a hamburger, mm-hmm. and here we are asking, talking about Gestalt. I mean, I, I, but it was interesting no, how they, they took it seriously and, and gave us a good answer. Okay. Yeah. So, all right, so as artists, you understand what you have to do to create a, a composition, a design on the canvas. As teachers, how would you teach students to, to understand Gestalt? Well, the reason why I like different terms in painting, because you never know what could trigger this person's imagination and a creative that. process. And mm-hmm. I find that different painters have different ways of talking about the same thing. So in Gestalt, it would be unity. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be the oneness, the wholeness of your painting. It has mm-hmm. to say and feel the one thing that you were trying to start. Even though right. it took you four or five hours or maybe 20 hours to complete the piece, it can't lose that, that first thought that you had when you decided to go down that path. Because I'm sure if in your mind's eye, 
you envisioned the whole thing, mm-hmm. and you it was there. Mm-hmm. And then it was up to you to figure out how to put that onto the canvas. That yeah. that was that's also the trick. Also, part. I might say that uh, that the gestalt. Um, uh, signifies meaning in your painting. So another way of you know speaking to students is to say, can you can you keep the meaning that you wanted in your painting? You know, can you um, like as you started this piece and and the, and we we teach outdoors. So as you started this piece outdoors, even though the light changed and all this other stuff, can you still say that when you look at your canvas, there's a meaning that you wanted to, a message, like a message that you wanted to evoke, and it still stays the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, can, well, unless anybody's got anything they want to add, can you believe that our time is up? Oh, very good. But I don't want to cut you off in your prime, if you were wanting to say something there. No, I I was just thinking that uh, the... You know, if somebody had come up David's with me in his prime. to uh, <laughs> yeah, thirty-eight, 39, I like it. You know, we're all the same age. Yeah. Um, so, I, no, I think if somebody came to me and David, you know, I'm a big fan of the Boston Marathon. Could you do a painting to talk, you know, runners? So the first thing I would do is go out and make little, um, quick little sketches of running. Mm-hmm. and try to figure out how they look in the gesture of running and ways I could yeah. design a gesture. And that would be first. And that's, that's in a sense, saying that's also last, right? Because the gesture yeah. has to be there in the end. Mm-hmm. I might get all the anatomy correct, and that's you right. can identify the figure by the, 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 what he looks like or she looks like, but it's that gesture and that movement that exactly. triggered the whole idea of painting the marathon that for the artist, and I'm sure for the viewer, mm-hmm. would be the same. So it's it's one of those things where you're going to start off with a couple quicky, sketchy lines, uh, but those quick, sketchy lines have to be there in the end as well, mm-hmm. which is I a agree. good way of, I think Connie explained the gestalt that way, is that is that from beginning to end, there has to be a gestalt. A know, wholeness. As you're, a wholeness yeah. as yeah. you're creating the painting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's something the beginner might struggle with, but eventually as they go along, and I think that, that sort of brings us into our, um, our, our next uh, subject, right? Spontaneity, Spontaneity and pain. Yeah. But that's for next week. All right, next week. <laughs> yeah. You get it? <laughs> Sorry. Okay, well, our time's up. Thank you very much for listening. For, uh, for those of you who came in halfway through, uh, we were just talking about the Gestalt theory in art. Uh, And it comes down to the fact that Gestalt is one of the most powerful tools that's available to the artist for creating unity in their painting. And so maybe uh, maybe David and Connie will come up with a Gestalt workshop for next year. Uh, And for those of you who would like to know a bit more about it, stay tuned. Uh, So until next week, thank you for listening and uh, we'll be back.